2: Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.
3: From the Abraham Lincoln Radio Studio at the George Washington Broadcast Center, Jack Armstrong and Joe Getty, The Armstrong and Getty Show.
4: how you doing good um we'll be playing clips of comedian norm Macdonald throughout the show because he died yesterday at 61 and uh, man the outpouring on uh, social media and on like every show that i watched was really something he 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 like somehow is like one of those people that you think you're only kind of into but then you realize everybody's into it. So
5: right or at least a hell of a lot of people. I you know, I think one of the keys to one of the reasons everybody's so affectionate toward him is he never gave the slightest feeling of I'm above you or I'm a star or you know, he was just the goofy you know giggling wacky he was like an upper midwesterner right minnesotan or no something like no that? no
4: he's from canada yeah. and like the okay. rural. well that's the upper midwest mm-hmm. up up,
5: upper midwest
4: ruralist of rural canada right i mean just yeah. middle of nowhere couldn't imagine ever being anything other than you know working around there and ended up being a giant star going into the comedy clubs when he was like 17 but he didn't even graduate high school
6: hmm
1: So there's a lot of reasons
4: why you wouldn't have that I'm better than you feeling from where he's from and his his background. Right. Well, that's endearing, too. It's probably worth remembering for all of us.
5: Uh, So uh, Bob Woodward's out with a brand new book, as he is uh, roughly weekly. (laughs) uh, This one includes some uh, amazing claims about General Milley, uh, the chairman of the Joint Chiefs. Uh, going outside the chain of command making clandestine contacts with China around the time of the election and the January 6th fracas uh, also Nancy Pelosi going nuts and and uh, claiming Trump was insane and the nuclear codes need to be taken away from him Jen Griffin did a terrific job as she always does on Fox News of encapsulating some of it let's let's go ahead and hit clip 61.
3: Multiple Pentagon officials tell me that some of the characterizations in the Woodward and Costa book are, quote, nonsense. There was no secret meeting over nuclear procedures or attempt to undermine the president's authority. Here's what we do know. Two days after the Capitol riot, House Speaker Nancy Pelosi revealed she called General Milley about taking the nuclear football away from President Trump to prevent, quote, an unstable president from initiating military hostilities or or accessing the launch codes and ordering a nuclear strike. Pentagon officials pushed back on suggestions in the new Woodward and Costa book that General Milley put himself in the chain of command. I can report from my own conversations at the time with senior military sources that during that phone call, Speaker Pelosi was distraught following the events in the Capitol that day and was screaming and demanded that General Milley take the nuclear football away from the president. Those privy to the phone call told me at the time that General Milley tried to reassure her and push back. And repeatedly said, Madam Speaker, you know I can't do that.
4: Yeah, Millie told Pelosi, there are lots of checks in the system to prevent Trump from going rogue. Pelosi then told Millie, he's crazy. You know he's crazy. And remember, this is like right after the Capitol thing had happened. So she's, you know, all worked up. He's crazy, and what he did yesterday is further evidence of his craziness, Pelosi added, referring to the Capitol riot. According to the book, Millie responded, I agree with you on everything.
5: Which is a good way to handle a distraught woman in my experience
4: yeah yeah that's what i wondered so before we get into some of the particulars one thing i think is interesting on on these kind of stories and they're happening with uh biden and trump and then they've had happened to a certain extent with other presidents in the years that i've been following this sort of thing if somebody thinks the president is out of control if you don't like the president you take it as look how bad it is the people around him think the president is under control if you do like the president, you think, look how unhinged the people are beneath the president. They're they're uh, trying a coup or they're trying to us- usurp his power or whatever. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So that clip was kind of weird and, in that. It... In other words, Go Ra- ahead. Rachel Maddow and Tucker Carlson opposite each other on Fox and MSNBC last night. Rachel Maddow and Tucker Carlson both very upset about this. Tucker Carlson, from the standpoint of we have a general. Who took command of the nuclear football. That's not supposed to happen. That's unconstitutional. He's out of control. He needs to. Re- Marco Rubio tweeted out. "Millie needs to resign. On Rachel Maddow's show was. It was so bad in the Trump White House. That a general did the patriotic thing. And took control of the power. Because he knew the president was unstable. So you're you're upset about. It's the same story. Same set of facts. But you take it through sure. a completely different lens.
5: Eye of the beholder. Clearly. Uh, Let's go ahead and let Jennifer uh, explain the whole calling the
3: Chinese thing in clip 62. General Milley had multiple calls with his Chinese counterpart and NATO allies in the wake of January 6th in order to reassure them that the U.S. government was stable and to reassure China that the U.S. did not plan a surprise attack. All of this in an effort to lower tensions with China during the tumultuous interim period between the election and the inauguration. The Washington Post account from the book Peril says Milley told his Chinese counterpart he would let him know if the U.S. planned to attack. That is not true, according to multiple sources. What Milley did say, I'm told, was that there would be no surprise strikes and that if there were a buildup of tensions, the Chinese would see that buildup. I'm told this was an effort to avoid any misunderstandings during the period between the election and the inauguration.
5: You know, I have a pretty strong feeling that a lot of this stuff is half to three-quarters true, but we're missing, you know, fundamental pieces from it. But I can't, I don't quite connect uh, January 6th, you know, the fracas at the Capitol, to calling the Chinese and saying, we're not going to launch a surprise attack because a bunch of yahoos took selfies uh, and fought cops? I mean... I don't understand what the two have to do with each other. Just that Trump
4: was unhinged and might do anything? I believe the reporting is that this guy that General Milley has known, uh, one of their top guys in China, that guy in China contacted him and said, hey, what the hell is going on over there? You know, which I can I could believe that the, the the Chinese and everybody else around the world was watching that riot at the Capitol and saying, what is happening here? Is this OK? And that the, the, the Chinese military guy contacted Millie and said, what the hell is going on? Because they know each other. And Millie assured him. It's under control now. Right. What, and the,
5: military. The, let me just interject that military to military contacts are, are quite normal. They do it all the time. Just saying, hey, we're going to be doing this in this place. Don't worry. We're not jumping ugly. We're just practicing. Blah, blah, blah. I want you to know
4: the particulars of what Millie said now may never actually be known. Um, the NSA knows. But, but, but if he actually said, look, we will not attack you. That's a pretty troubling thing. Josh Rogan, who we've had on a whole bunch of times from the Washington Post, just uh, tweeted out, it was very dangerous for Mark Milley to be doing freelance diplomacy on China without involving any of the other senior senior officials dealing with China at the time. Milley was making these phone calls at a time when the U.S. government was in the middle of a very complicated discussions with and actions against the People's Republic of China. For him to take this sort of action without any interagency coordination is astonishing, I would agree. The risk is that Milley could have caused the Chinese to miscalculate and take some sort of diplomatic, economic or military action with far ranging consequences because he was giving the wrong signal, having no understanding of the context in which he was making the call. For instance... He could have assured the Chinese, if he did do this assured that we will not attack you. Look, we're not, we're not, we're, we're, we're backing off. Um, they might have thought, okay, now it's the time to go at Taiwan. And then what, who's going to do what? Not knowing that Millie was involved in this conversation, not knowing all the pieces in play here. That's, that is very troubling.
5: Yeah, it is. And I love Josh Rogan. And, uh, you know, I, again, I, I'm not taking all this stuff completely seriously. I just think it's an interesting discussion. Um, uh, I don't know that I'm as bothered by the idea of him picking up the phone. He hears his uh, guy he knows is freaked out and saying, look, everything's fine here. Don't worry. Everything's fine. We're not going to. And here's where the specific verbiage is absolutely essential to have to draw judgment. If he said, look. We are stable. It's just a fracas. We're fine. And no, there's nothing in the offing. We're not contemplating an attack on you guys, all right? Saying, I mean, there's an enormous difference between we will not attack the People's Republic of China and saying we're not in the middle of planning an attack on you guys, all right? There's nothing crazy happening, all right? You're fine. Status quo till further notice.
4: Byron York of the Washington Examiner just tweeted out the Bob Woodwork publicity machine is up and running. The leaks and anonymous sources are running in multiple directions. It's time for General Milley to answer questions about his actions. I, I would say he does need to get to a microphone today, whether it's in a formal setting with uh, you know senators or congresspeople or, or or a press conference or what. But I think that would be a really good idea. The, the, the most troubling one to me is, now I, I haven't been able to find this anywhere else, Rachel Maddow on MSNBC last night had a, the book in her hand. She said, we got an actual copy of the book. Most people don't, and you're just seeing the official excerpts coming out from the publisher that are in the Washington Post or whatever. But she had the actual book. So she was reading stuff that I don't believe we can get, you know, uh, pieces of yet until the book comes out in the coming weeks. But she was describing a meeting with the people that are, would be in the chain of command for a nuclear strike. Uh Mm-hmm. And and General Milley going around one by one and saying, nobody does anything without calling me first. Understand? And he went one by one to get f- f- formal confirmation from each individual. Do you understand what I said? Nobody does anything until they call me first. Jim, do you get that? I understand, sir. Okay, Bill. Nobody does anything, and sh- according to the Woodward book, he went one by one through these people. He is not that guy. I'm, I didn't even know this till yesterday. The chairman of the Joint Chiefs staff, uh, j- the chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff, guy is uh, or woman is um, is a, an advisor. They aren't in the chain of command at all. They actually don't have anything to do with that. I was I didn't know that my whole life. They're an advisor. Mm-hmm. Um, I, he I like is not su- he is not a guy who can call these people together and say nobody does anything without checking with me. He doesn't get to do that.
5: Looking each in the eye, Millie asked the officers to affirm that they had understood the author's right in what he considered an oath. So according to Woodward and, and, and what's his face, he, he made them swear an oath that if the president gave the order, which is his right, of course, but you don't actually do anything till you check with me.
4: Now, Jennifer Griffin is saying she's talked to a bunch of people at the Pentagon that say that never happened. But that is an awful specific description for that to not be true. I've, well, I've, I tend to think that that happened. Well, if the authors have
5: any clue, they quote Gina Haspel, the CIA director, of saying to Millie, we are on the way to a right-wing coup. So if the CIA director and the chairman of the Joint Chiefs both thought the country and the government had come completely off the rails, they, I tell you what, if they sincerely believe, if it were true, I should say, if that were actually true, if they did not take strong measures to prevent some sort of catastrophe, that would make them bad people. On the other hand, I think you need to come forward and say what you did and why you did it at some point and not deny, deny, deny.
4: And, yeah, I, well, getting back to a theme for many months now, uh, people need to resign more often. If you're that concerned about your boss or this policy or whatever, resign. Or if something went this badly, resign. General Milley should come out and say, I'm resigning as of today. I am 100% confident I did the right thing. Here's why I did it. I will let history judge me, but I did the right thing. That's what he should do if he's got any freaking guts. That never happened. I didn't say that. What do you mean you got a tape? Somebody doctored it. That's not me. I don't know. Who who it is? Wrong number. Click. A little more on this coming up. Your opinion. Text line 415-295-KFTC.
3: Armstrong and Getty. The Armstrong and Getty Show. He seems to be the greatest
5: patriot uh, that was on duty during the previous administration, I have to say, is emerging as a pretty important and heroic American figure in this era.
2: I don't blame General Milley for any of this It as much as I blame Donald Trump.
3: He felt he couldn't trust Trump and needed to take all necessary precautions to prevent him from doing something dangerous.
4: As is the case with every coup pretty much in the history of the world. See, that's the problem. Is that if the the guy beneath the guy on at the top thinks hey, he's bad for the country, so we're going to take over. We're better. They not they're yeah. not they're not always <laughs> right.
5: Yeah. Well, hey, twenty fifth amendment, uh, resigning, speaking to the media, making clear your concerns, etc. There are all sorts of paths you can go without you know calling the Chinese and making military officers swear some sort of ad hoc, hastily conceived oath that they
4: won't nuke anybody unless they check with you. I mean, what is that? Okay, well, back to that. We're talking about the Bob Woodward book that comes out in a couple of weeks. And um, so we just went through that whole thing. If you didn't hear it, get the podcast at armstrongandgetty.com. But he inserted himself into the chain of command for launching a nuclear strike, uh, this uh, General Milley. And he is not supposed to be in that chain of command. And he made everybody you know, proclaim to him that they would check with him before they did anything, before, any, I think that happened. There's way too many details on that. As I've heard the whole uh, several pages of the book read, there are way too many details on that for that to, to not be true. It rings true to me, yeah. I think that happened. I don't know if they'll ever be able to prove it, and everybody in the Pentagon, I think, and they're all denying it in the Pentagon. I think they have to deny it because you immediately would go to jail. <laughs> I mean, if you admit, yeah, this is what we did. We, uh, we, we went around the Constitution. We went around the chain of command. And we, we just took over for a while. That doesn't work that way.
5: Well, and why does it have to come out in a, a Woodward book? If, if Gina Haspel, CIA director, thought that, that the Trump and the government were completely out of control and strong measures had to be taken to protect the Union, and Milley thought the same thing. Why are they not talking about it? Why does Bob Woodward have to tell me about it? You know, express yourself, express
4: your opinion. Uh, justify what you did and why you did it, and, and we can have a national discussion about it. I'll tell you, one of the many downsides of this is now General Milley is officially, he already was pretty much, but now it's in cement forever a uh, on the other side of the Trump conversation. So there will be no calling him to account for the disaster that was getting out of Afghanistan, which is ongoing. People are still dying oh. and being tortured. He'll never have to pay a price for that because he's officially the good guy in the Trump story for people who yeah, don't like it. Trump.
5: I get it. The uh, legacy media won't bother. The Congress nope. won't bother to harass him nope. because he's on our team.
4: Yeah, and officially in this Bob Woodward book. Or so their team. You he's know what I mean, he's yeah. off the hook for all the Afghanistan stuff. Yeah. That's beautiful. Officially. Um, But I think that did happen, and that's scary, man. That is scary. Whether whether he legit believed it was the right thing to do or not, you can't have people doing that. You just can't. Well, you can't have them doing it,
5: like, secretly and quietly and and then denying they did it. You
4: just, I don't
5: know. As what far as, is it? The culture of D.C. is so weird and poisonous. Yeah. I can't imagine what motivates these people half the time.
4: As far as the Nancy Pelosi phone call, if you read the transcript and it's out, and who the hell leaked that, shouldn't be leaking phone calls like that. That stuff should not come out. I think he, it's a what you described, I think he was talking down an hysterical woman when she was kind of, like, losing it.
3: Armstrong and Getty.
6: And there's Charles Woodson. How about that? Oh, what a season he had. Great, Manny. He, he became the first defensive player to win the Heisman Trophy. And congratulations, Charles. That is something that no one can ever take away from you. Unless you kill your wife and a waiter. In which case... <laughs>
4: From the audience at the Too early? <laughs> <laughs> Too soon? Uh, the great Norm MacDonald, who died yesterday at 61. I saw him at Caroline's Comedy Club in New York in about 1994. Ah, oh, cool. I guess it had been right after he left Saturday Night Live, and it was uh, freaking fantastic. Yeah, Nate, it's like
5: seeing a band in a club. That's, that's cool. I haven't been to a comedy club in, gosh,
4: I don't even know how long. Decades. They still
5: exist, right? Oh, the whole, yeah. The, the oh, yeah. whole craze died down somewhat. Well, then it came They're back. There,
4: there, there's a lot of comedy clubs around.
5: Yeah, true dad. I know I know it's huge online, and everybody has their list of favorite comedians, uh, the younger set especially. But uh, So a couple of things to pay off that we mentioned uh, briefly. Um, there's a new documentary out about Alanis Morissette, the singer behind the landmark 1995 debut album, Jagged Little Pill. I mean, That's right, folks. That's right. 26 years. I'm not
4: sure I'll get around to reading that.
5: Uh, it's, well, it's a documentary. Or so watching them, Yeah. They can have closed captions for you yeah. to read if you'd like. But,
4: uh, yeah, it's
5: uh, it's actually more interesting than you might think. She was a child star in Canada. Uh, Didn't in, know that. In, in junior high on TV. And then like a, a pop, uh, like one of the, your Disney pop princesses, um, but Canada style. And during that time, evidently, she had multiple men sex her up at age 15. Oof. And uh, she says, it took me years in therapy to even admit there had been any kind of victimization on my part. I would always say I was consenting. Then I'd be reminded, like, hey, you were 15. You're not consenting at 15. Now I'm like, oh, yeah, they're all pedophiles. It's statutory rape. She doesn't name any names, but just says that... uh uh, she brought it up to a number of people in the music industry, and they would just kind of uh, quietly walk out of the room or change the subject or whatever. Uh, pop, But, but, but it's, show business is a cesspool, especially when you're talking about uh, child show business. Yep. So, anyway. Uh, and the other thing, uh, speaking of uh, media and social media and that sort of thing, uh, Wall Street Journal out with a really interesting piece about Facebook. And I'm tempted to go with the punchline first, the summary first. Mark Berserkerberg has had no idea how to control the beast he's created since he created it. They are atop it, but like a man riding an elephant, you're kind of in control, but only according to the good graces of the elephant. I mean, only by the good graces of the elephant. They're barely in control of Facebook. That's and the fact that it's such a, a massive social uh, force is is a little scary.
4: You think it's like a it's like a, an entity on its own? It just kind of does its own thing. Uh, I think that's a really good way to describe it's it. It's like an organism. It, well, yeah,
5: actually, yeah, it has aspects of that, and it's just it's a machine that can't be steered successfully because you never know what the steering is actually going to do. Here's your example. In the fall of 2018, the article begins with uh, the guy who the chief executive of online publisher, uh, BuzzFeed, uh, noted cat blog BuzzFeed, as Tucker Carlson would say. Uh, he emailed a top official at Facebook. The most divisive content that BuzzFeed produced was going viral on Facebook, creating an incentive to, to produce more of it. And this guy was uncomfortable with that. He pointed to the success of a BuzzFeed post titled 21 Things That Almost All White People Are Guilty Of Saying which received a huge number of shares and comments on Facebook. Guilty Uh, is
4: an interesting word.
5: Yeah, yeah. But many people were criticizing BuzzFeed for writing it, arguing with each other about race. All the engagement was anger and, and poison. Other content the company produced from news videos to articles on self care and animals, cat blog, had trouble breaking through, he said. And he blamed it on a major overhaul Facebook had given its newsfeed algorithm earlier that year to boost, quote, meaningful social interactions between friends and family, according to internal Facebook documents. The idea is. Well, I'll just tell you, BuzzFeed built its business on making content that would go viral on Facebook and other social media. So any change in the algorithm was absolutely critical to their business.
4: I wish I had, you know, if I had a time machine, maybe that's what I'd do. I'd go back to the beginning of Facebook and realize this is how you get wealthy. You find stuff that will catch on on Facebook or YouTube. Because the people that that figured that out early are gazillionaires now. Yeah, indeed. So uh, Facebook's
5: chief executive, Mark Berserkerberg, said the aim of our algorithm change was to strengthen the bonds between users and and to improve their well-being. Facebook would encourage people to interact more with family and friends and spend less time passively consuming professionally produced content because research suggested that's bad for their mental health. Within the company though, folks down below Zuckerberg were saying, "Hey, it's having the opposite effect. It's making it's making Facebook Angry. The stuff we're elevating, we're elevating because it makes people so angry. When they're angry, they interact, screaming epithets at each other. We're elevating the most poisonous, heinous, and angering content. And, um, and yep. Zuckerberg really resisted that, I guess. Um so and then company researchers discovered that publishers and political parties hello were reorienting their posts toward outrage and sensationalism.
4: Yeah, that's something that Sarah Isger with the Dispatch writes about all the time cuz she's worked on a whole bunch of political campaigns that the way everything works now and all and most of the politicians have caught on to it you raise the most money by saying the most angering extreme things. That's the quickest way to raise a ton of money, and it's incentivizing people to to say and do the things they're doing, and it's just poisonous for our politics. Yeah, yeah,
5: interesting. So, and I'm trying to wrap my head around, okay, what are we really talking about here? The fact that restraint and reasonableness do not get nearly the breakthrough attention that sensationalism and anger do, whether it's fundraising or Facebook or, or Twitter follows or whatever, and we've somehow ended up with a world. I almost said designed a world, but nobody designed it. We ended up in a world where you have many significant, powerful um, aspects of life that respond well to the worst impulses. How interesting. I'm mm-hmm. sure there are more examples of it, too, uh, than we've mentioned. Uh, company, company, you know what? There's more to this, and it's super, super interesting. Um, but we need to uh, give you some information from our friends at Simply Safe Home Security, our favorite home security company. And they ought to be. They win awards like U.S. News and World Report, naming a best home security system of 2021. But they got even better with this cool new wireless outdoor security camera.
4: Yeah, this thing is great. Ultra-wide, 140-degree field of view, so your entire backyard, entire front, your street, and everything like that, depending on where you put it. With 1080p HD resolution and an 8 times zoom, so you're going to get a really clear picture. You can zoom in on faces, um, license plates, numbers, that sort of thing. Built-in spotlight with color night vision. Easy-to-remove rechargeable batteries, so it doesn't need an outlet. So you can put this camera anywhere on your property, or wherever you think the problem might
5: be. Yeah, no rando will go ooching about in your yard unseen any more. To learn more about the exciting new Simply Safe wireless outdoor security camera, just visit simplysafe.com slash Armstrong. Simply Safe celebrating the new camera by offering 20% off your entire new system and your first month of monitoring service free when you enroll in interactive monitoring. Again, that's simplysafe.com slash Armstrong. You know, now might be a good time to renew our call to unplug the internet. As it has been a lovely thing in many ways, but is on the whole a bad thing.
4: Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's funny. I was talking about that. My, my, my son brought up, when was the internet invented, dad? You know, how long has it been around? A hundred years. And, uh, and we I got into it, you know, how, no, it hasn't been that long at all. I mean, it did not in high, in, in reality of people using it, it. It wasn't around when I was in high school or college or anything like that. Um, it's fairly recent. And just thinking about that as I was talking to him about how, how i wish it had never happened i just think it was better for the world when we didn't have the internet when it when it was originally cuz it's been around since what the 70s or the 80s but nobody was really using it until the late 90s that's when we all started getting emails all the time and everything um uh, it was just originally for scientists to share data okay fine you keep it for that so the university of singapore can share with a uh, you know uh, with stanford some some data on a research project but none of this other crap that is going on we don't need it yeah, if,
5: if only we could have moved much, much more slowly. If only there was as much wisdom in the world as there is intelligence, oh or boy. if anybody would listen to it. You know, I used to be proud of the fact that my alma mater, the University of Illinois, was uh, fundamental in developing the Internet. Now I think those people ought to be brought up on charges. <laughs> <clears throat> anyway, so back to this this Facebook thing, and it's more than Facebook, as Jack pointed out. Um a team of data scientists within Facebook wrote, Our approach has had unhealthy side effects on important slices of public content such as politics and news. This is an increasing liability. They concluded that the new algorithm's heavy weighting of reshared material in its newsfeed made the angry voices louder. Quote, Misinformation, toxicity, and violent content are inordinately prevalent among reshares. Some, listen to this, which is some political parties in Europe told Facebook, Hey, your algorithms have made us shift our policy positions so they resonated more on your platforms. It's the only way for us to survive and stay alive. Absolutely. And many parties, including those that have shifted to the negative, worry about the long-term effects on democracy. Read one internal Facebook report, which did not name specific, uh, parties.
4: You know, it's um, uh, you're always saying it's not one thing, it's a number of things. A couple of things came together at the same time, just accidentally. We changed our campaign finance laws and the way that politics raises money at the same time that the Internet really took off. And uh, Mitch McConnell warned years ago with McCain-Feingold or whatever, the Citizens United, whatever it was, the big change in uh, in the way we raise money, uh, that that was not going to be an end of money and politics. It was just going to be an end of parties, and money would control politics in a different way. But he didn't know that the Internet was going to happen the way it happened. So at the same time that small donors became a bigger thing, the Internet took hold into where scaring or angering large numbers of people to donate small amounts of money is way more powerful than the corporations ever were in terms of directing the parties.
5: Wow that that is that is so big that might be the oh. story of our times in uh, terms uh, of politics Absolutely absolutely the story uh, one more note, and then I know we have to take a break, uh, and this will shock absolutely nobody but the most credulous and dewy-eyed among us. When the Facebook data science team came to upper management and said, uh, we're really rewarding outrage, lies, anger, bitterness, etc., Mr. Zuckerberg resisted some of the proposed fixes, the documents show, because he was worried they might hurt the company's other objective, making users engage more with Facebook. Meaning... I don't give an S if people are on Facebook a lot because they're enraged and screaming at each other as long as they're engaged.
4: Well, uh, you're talking about intelligence versus wisdom. It's clear, I think it's become clear that Zuckerberg's no freaking genius, um, I don't think. He's certainly not a genius when it comes to wisdom and understanding society. He just kind of got lucky with this whole thing, and again, you know, right when the Internet took off, he had this idea, and and he didn't, Well, if you've ever watched that uh, movie about it, he didn't know what was he what he was creating, what was going to happen. He just like kind of did. Yeah. He's an accidental yeah. billionaire, and uh, and he does he's he's the wrong person to have in charge of something this important, this powerful. Yeah, and one final note: it's it's semi
5: obvious, but uh, you can have the intelligence we're talking about, you can have the wisdom to understand what it's doing, but if you have enough greed to say, but I don't care,
4: well. Then we're all screwed. Yeah, I think if you were a more decent guy, he would have pulled the plug on some of this a long time ago. And he was already a billionaire. What do you need more money for? Um, Do you have some concern about destroying society? Head of Facebook almost ought to be an elected position. It's as powerful as a branch of government. Yeah, no kidding. Or running Google.
5: Yeah, yeah. Um, Good point.
4: Uh, Oh, uh, North Korea just fired off a couple more missiles. If you want something to be worried about, that's just fantastic. And Japan's reaction and our reaction is kind of interesting. So, yay! More problems in the world. (laughs) That
0: on the way.
3: Armstrong and Getty.
0: The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. Western nations like the U.S. and Europe
2: Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.
3: The Armstrong and Getty Show.
2: But it wasn't just the jokes he told, it was his style in delivering the punchlines that set him apart. I'm Norm Macdonald
6: and now, the fake
2: news. Norm Macdonald burst onto the scene as the deadpan anchor of SNL's Weekend Update.
6: Christy Brinkley told reporters this week that her marriage to Billy Joel was over long before their divorce. The key moment, she said, came when she realized that she was Christy Brinkley
2: and that she was married to Billy Joel. (laughs) known for that droll delivery and that signature cynical smile.
6: Well, this coming Monday is Oscar night and three films, The English Patient, Secrets and Lies, and Shine are locked in a tight race in the category, best picture, there's not a chance in hell I will ever see.
2: During his five years on SNL, he memorably impersonated Burt Reynolds. Mr.
6: Reynolds, what are you doing? Yeah, I found this backstage, an oversized hat. Funny. No, it's not. Sure it is. It's funny. It's funny because it's uh, bigger than a normal hat.
2: Larry King?
6: The more I think about it, the more I appreciate the solar system.
2: And Bob Dole.
6: Bob Dole, not male, not female, not even human. (laughs) Bob Dole, beam of pure energy. How about
2: that? Never tires, never ages. <laughs> the former senator shared this photo of the two, writing, Norm was a great talent and I loved laughing with him on SNL. Bob Dole will miss Norm McDonald. McDonald a was pretty, also Which a...
4: is a pretty funny response from Bob Dole. <laughs> wow. Still wry
2: after all these years. Bob
4: Dole will miss Norm McDonald.
5: Bob Dole was there for the signing of the Constitution. I mean, uh, Wow. Um, He's still
4: kicking, though, huh? All right. If you like Norm Macdonald, you should do the Washington Post said uh, one of the best rabbit holes on YouTube to go down is uh, Norm Macdonald appearances on talk shows. <laughs> and mm, him on with yeah. Jon Stewart or Conan O'Brien or David Letterman. And how much he cracks them up is the funny part. And again, as the person on Good Morning America, Good Morning America just did like a 10 minute segment on Norm Macdonald. And he was an NBC guy. So I think that's. Uh, A testimony to his uh, appeal. But anyway, his his telling of the story, it didn't matter if the punchline was any good or not because the setup (laughs) was so hilarious just the way he talked.
5: We should probably mention that Mr. McDonald has passed at the age of 61,
4: if you hadn't heard that. Yeah. Yeah. Anywho. Funny feller. So he had a joke about cancer from a a few years back clearly written. Uh, Actually, when I read his book, I thought, this seems like the kind of book you write when you're 85 and your life is almost over, he probably wrote his book, you know, well, he did write his book while he's in the midst of battling cancer and having a good, solid look at I might Be Dead Soon. And he had a, a comment about cancer from years ago, and it, I thought it was interesting as a guy who's had cancer, he had the same opinion that Christopher Hitchens had when he had cancer of, I don't like this whole battle with cancer imagery that you, want, you lost your battle with cancer, and I heard people say that in headlines yesterday, he said, because it kind of implies that You know, people who survive cancer won and you didn't try hard enough or didn't win or what. It's just Mm. it's, it's a weird analogy. And I don't know who started the whole thing, but a number of people, including myself, who have had cancer, think it's weird. The whole battle with cancer thing.
5: I just read a super interesting piece. I think it was by Caitlin Flanagan. It was somebody who I've read a fair amount of. But her headline is. I didn't get cancer from having a bad attitude, and I don't think having a good attitude is going to cure it. Correct. And she gets into that yeah. whole thing where you've got to stay positive, and you got to meditate, and you got to do this, and that's how you beat cancer. And, uh, you know, I don't know. I haven't uh, walked down that road, thank God, not yet. Um, but I thought it was pretty well written. There are a set of cliches that kind of echo around, aren't there?
4: Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, uh, you get to handle it however you want, but that's what he said. Uh, We'll have more clips later in the show, including we got to play the one later on The View where he just horrified Joy Behar and uh, all the other people on The The View. I love that clip so much.
5: I watched it twice. Oh, it's (laughs) so good. We'll play that for you next hour. Also next hour, Woke Maniacs on the March. It's been a while since we've done that.
4: They're calling it the worst pitch in the history of Major League Baseball. We have that at Armstrong and Getty. .com I haven't seen it yet but uh, Alex Did the Ashur... guy throw it up his own hiney or what? I mean Alex is saying it's something pretty funny. Um, North Korea has launched a couple of more ballistic missiles. Japan is worried and uh, responding with their biggest actions in many decades. You know this feels like it feels like they hey they produced another season of the North Korea show. It's back everybody. It does seem that way a little bit, doesn't it? If you miss an hour go to armstronggetty.com
3: Armstrong and Getty